Hey there, I'm Everett. I'm Baron. And welcome to Bro, Bro Have, Have You Seen? Hey, bro. Hey. How you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, another good week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Another another week. <laughs> another one down, another episode to come. Yep, definitely. Uh, another movie. And, yes. Uh, I'll let you kind of lead off with this, unless yeah. you have any kind of j- opening... Uh... No, I think we'll just jump right in. This might be a little <laughs> bit of a shorter one, but yeah. it's gonna... I'm glad to highlight this movie, so... Yeah, um, actually, really quick before you go, okay. like, I was thinking about this a lot lately, just kind of how, like, I don't know, like, our show, it started off with not really a direction, per se, like, not really, like, a specific area we wanted to focus on in film, just kind of, like, recommending each other movies that we like. Yeah. But it's almost become one of, like, where we just highlight movies that don't get talked about enough, or are maybe <laughs> kind of underrated. Seems like that, huh? Kind of, like, trying to share with each other and the audience, like... Um, movies that uh, kind of fly under the radar you know like yeah. we do bring up like Fast and Furious and like you know Marvel or whatever like popular stuff too but in our main discussions except for maybe like The Godfather is one of the bigger ones and like yeah. La La Land but like we tend to focus on uh, the stuff that's not quite as like hyped up and talked about all the time just because like there's enough of that, you know. I thought about I thought about like recommending Parasite on our like what's entertaining you and I was like you don't need another person to tell you to watch Parasite, exactly. you know, like that's been talked about enough. Let me focus on highlight something else. So, anyway, I noticed yeah. that and I think it's kind of cool that you know, uh like I'm discovering movies from you. I'm discovering ones from you. Yeah. Hopefully. I remember Harold and Maude, like that was one that I never really heard about or would have watched would have flown under my radar yeah i really like this format that we've kind of naturally fallen into yeah. just kind of slipped into that nice groove so yeah it's been nice and like not only to recommend it to each other but like we have some of those more popular ones maybe to reel people in and then we can <laughs> talk about other ones that we can expose people to maybe or right. i mean a lot of like the foreign film that we talk about is like the most well known it seems like anyone that's in some sort of film circle knows about pretty much everything that we would talk about because i mean we're pretty much amateurs too like Mm -hmm. we just do this for fun so yeah just like you know i like to highlight those ones that i like that i don't always get to hear about or yeah you know just finding some random picks like today's movie yeah it's a little bit of a random one (laughs) so cool yeah so that being said this week's film is a a fun little thriller heist film from the year 1992, starring a slew of actors that form an ensemble team of sneakers, otherwise known as black hat hackers, kind of like the bad guys, that are hired to penetrate security systems in order to expose their weaknesses to the paying client. And it follows Marty Bishop, and he's played by Robert Redford, who is underground and using an alternate identity, and as well as his team, as they take on a job to clear his name and make some money while they're at it. Might as well. The job comes to magnetize previous friends, lovers, and numerous government organizations, as well as other countries like Russia. Uh, It's one of my favorite films. It's one of those underrated ones I watched over and over growing up, and it's kind of hard to tell the influence it's had on me in in terms of computers and the world of technology. Uh, I just remember watching this all the time, and then with my cousins, we'd play like with toy guns and gadgets and stuff and watch this movie and be like, yeah, this is so cool. Like, this brings back lots of nostalgia, of course, but I think it is actually a really good movie and I definitely want to highlight it and let more people know about it. And um, I've loved it ever since, despite maybe some of its flaws. And I was really excited to be able to ask you the question, bro, have you seen Sneakers? I, yeah, I haven't before this. Uh, Yeah. I I think I might have saw seen it a long time ago, but I literally remembered nothing except one tiny little moment. Yeah, which we'll get to maybe later. Um, but yeah, watched it actually today. <laughs> I 
I was working today, so I got back and uh, right after my shower, I just like po- popped just it right popped on. It in. Um, yeah, I, I I procrastinated a little bit, but I yeah. got it done, and it's good to kind of have it fresh in my brain because uh, it's one that you know it doesn't really require a whole lot of like intense thought or deep study. Um, it's pretty surface level, but it was interesting, and there's a lot to think about just with my reaction to it. Yeah. Um, I'd say I kind of liked this movie. Um, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like anything special to me. I thought it was like a pretty decent little heist movie that, you know, was, um, somewhat predictable. I, yeah. I, I pretty much called like every beat. Yeah, you like, kind of did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and a lot of it's kind of tropey at this point. Wasn't very surprising, but I mean, maybe it kind of was in '92. I know this was one of the first like computer tech kind of heist movies where, you know, there's international espionage dealing yeah. with cyber terrorism or cyber crimes and stuff. So, um, I can see how maybe those things have become tropey or tropes since this came out. Um, but just looking at it from a 2020 uh, lens, you know, <laughs> it was a little bit predictable and um, pretty cheesy. I mean, it is early 90s, yeah. so it's to be expected. But, yeah, I mean, it was decent. I didn't hate it or anything. Like, I'm, I'm just kind of mixed on it, you know? Yeah. I'm not disappointed they didn't like it. And like I said, I think it does have some flaws. I, I don't think it's a perfect movie by any means. Mm-hmm. It's just one that I've always enjoyed and... You know that's okay. I'm yeah. I've I've been going back watching some movies that I used to watch growing up, and I, looking at them from a more analytical point of view, I can see okay, yeah, this isn't a great movie, but I'm okay with that fact. I'm okay that not every movie has to be super high level thinking and a bunch of stuff going on. It's yeah. good to just throw one of these on, especially like this has a lot of nostalgia for me. But you know, definitely. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday, so this morning. Uh, our What's Entertaining You Deluxe Premium Second Edition dropped this morning, and I talked about Scooby Doo. Yeah, on there. So that's one it's movie true. that I know is not that great, but I liked it a lot. So, you know, whatever. Exactly. I don't have to. It's just, always good to have those. Yeah, you can't just like the popular movies or the ones that are critically acclaimed or whatever. Like, you can like what you like. Exactly. And there's not really a reason for it. Everybody kind of grew up on stuff, so. You know, if you grew up on this, I can see how you'd really like it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, and just, I know you and your personality and your interests, and, like, this is right up your alley. So. Yeah, dude, this is a good one. So, I I was glad to hear your general thoughts on it, but diving a little bit deeper, I kind of want to start with the characters and the actors. I wanted to know what you thought of, like, the group dynamics, maybe some of your favorite people, and maybe their lines, or what you thought was good about them, or what you liked. Yeah, well, this definitely calls to mind the Oceans movies. Yeah. Um, just with that group heist element where you got the Robert Redford character being, you know, sort of that Danny Ocean. He's cool. He's slick. He's sort of anti-establishment. Uh, there was a little sequence at the beginning of them in the 70s, you know, pulling pranks on people, kind of Robin Hood style. And uh, even as an adult, you know, there's a scene of him in the government uh, air quote government people's office and like they're wearing suits they're very formal and he's coming in kind of cracking jokes he's got like casual clothes on yeah it's just kind of it's that juxtaposition on screen you can see between him and that authority government figure um that he he's not really a part of that so i liked him in the movie robert redford is always great I mean, the guy yeah. is just so handsome. Like, it's true. I know it's insane. It's but. kind of it's kind of strange. Uh, the off put between, you know, his looks and his the way he carries himself and what he's doing, like super tech, and he's. I mean, he's kind of like the yeah. ringleader of the group. He's not as involved with like as some of the other characters, like Whistler and stuff. Are they're more of the hackers? He's kind of just the front runner. Yeah, the, he's kind of a con man. Yeah, in a way. yeah. He's the some of the most the brains behind mm-hmm. the, uh, the operation. Yeah, but I did like kind of the way that the guys work together. Um, you know, they're each kind of has their role. It's pretty typical of this sort of movie yeah. where there's there's the token characters like, okay, you got the guy who's really good with computers. There's the funny guy who 
is the surveillance guy. Then you have the young kid who's, you know, kind of just the catch-all, and he does all the little grunt work or whatever. Errand boy. Yeah, errand boy sort of thing. Uh, and then there's, of course, the ex-love interest who yeah. he's semi-trying to win back the whole time. Uh, even though in this movie he doesn't really try that hard to win her back, honestly. She's just kind of there and then... True. But she gets wrapped up in it. Doesn't really pay off. Well, spoiling. I don't know. I, I At this point, spoilers ahead for any other details. It's... I mean, sure. I don't know. It's an old, older movie, so... Yeah, I mean... Not too like, much to spoil, and we're not going to go super in-depth on plot points anyways. Yeah, so. and like I said, it's not too surprising, so yeah. honestly, like, even if we told you the spoilers, like, you'd probably figure it out anyway, uh, just by watching it, so... Uh, but it, it is good, and I, I would recommend it, you know? I know you would, for sure, but uh, I think, you know, it's worth a it's worth a watch if someone's bored and they can't think of anything to watch. I don't know if this is on streaming I, anymore. Probably not. <laughs> we happen to have a DVD from who knows how I, Yeah, long. I think our parents introduced me to this, and we've had it ever since. We had it on VHS for a while. I used to watch that yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you can find it, check it out. You know, it's it's worth two hours, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even for if me, it's, Even it if was. it's in the background, you know, like, you can, like, do other things. No. Just kidding. <laughs> if, you're, if you're working at home and you kind of want a... Oh, don't... <laughs> I don't believe in that, but it's okay. Uh, if you want. Okay. Anyway, yeah, spoiler ahead, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, we might give away plot points and certain elements that come in later. So if you're averse to spoilers, skip ahead to the end. We'll probably talk about a couple things that's been entertaining us this week. Um, it'll be a little bit shorter since we did that extended episode. Uh, so check that out too. I mean, if you yeah. want, if you want lots of good recommendations, we talk about all kinds of movies. We talked about our monthly pickups, physical uh, media. Yeah, if you're interested in Blu-rays or you know DVDs, then uh, listen to that and let us know what you think. But anyway, we'll move right on ahead here. Yeah, I I liked um, Sydney Poitier's character. Is that how you say it? I'm not 100 percent sure. I think so. I think so. I'll, we'll go with that. That's how you say it. Uh, him, he's like that grizzled CIA ex-CIA agent and he's the one that's always so concerned about you know following the rules he doesn't want any of the other guys to go too far he kind of keeps them confined in their pre-existing kind of boundaries even though they're kind of criminals I mean when they're getting into that box he's like hey turn that off like he's yeah. always a strict one he institutes security and then like his kind of back and forth with Dan Aykroyd's character who's like uh, super conspiracy theorist and always talking <laughs> yeah. about the moon landings and earthquake in Nicaragua and just right. they're kind of back it's and forth. kind of forth. the nutty. Yeah, nutty he's character. crazy. Yeah. And then I think uh, my favorite character is probably Whistler. Mm. He's super integral in everything that they do. He He's always the one that kind of, I mean, he uses his disabilities as great advantages in their team dynamic. And that was kind of based off of a actual hacker at the time that was a genius with the phone systems and it's because he was blind and so it really Mm -hmm. allowed him this extra layer of understanding this world that you can't see you know the ones and zeros the computer you don't really need to see that kind of stuff and so it's interesting how how his character is based off real guy but i liked whistler a lot he's he has some funny lines uh and like i said he's super key for them figuring out that the black box is on the desk and also um, figuring out where Marty was taken to the building using the recreating the sound of the bridge. That, that was, was really, really cool. cool. That was the one moment I remembered from the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, like while I was watching, I was like, I think this is the movie where they like y- use a sound recording or something to tell where he was in the car, which is really clever how they could use those different elements. Like, Oh, there was a recurring bump sound. Oh, yeah, like cracks awesome. in the pavement, and then they could slow awesome. it down to get the right distance, and they narrowed down. I love down. that part. Process of elimination. But yeah, I think that guy's played by David Strathairn. Yeah. I think Strathairn. I don't Strathairn. know. Strathairn. Yeah, that's but, him. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like someone that like Harry Dean Stanton would play. Mm. Uh, he's kind of one of those. Like, he's from more from like the the seventies and eighties, but he was just an alien. Kinda... But I didn't know what character he played. Yeah, I think he was... Is he Kane, maybe? He, he was know. the, comp- like, the android guy, I think, maybe? Oh, he, he was the... Oh, hey, whoa. Spoiler for... 
he I think he was the uh, medical professor. Is that? I don't know. He was like you. Anyways. you'd probably you've seen him in Fire Walk with Me. Oh really? He's the trailer park owner guy. Oh, huh. Anyways, Anyways. yeah, but Little that tangent. that character like <laughs> I just kind of picture Harry Dean Stanton when I hmm. think of that character. But that guy was very good. Uh, like like you said, Sidney Poitier's character. He's kind of the voice of reason. You know, he's yeah. He's uh, very much straight laced and tries to keep everybody on track when he's dealing with all these sort of eccentric exactly personalities you gotta you gotta have someone who's a little bit more uh straight laced but yeah as far as the whole group goes i I liked how they worked together and solved the problems some of the stuff it seemed a little bit coincidental or you know like that was lucky or that that was a little far-fetched a little bit eye-rolly at times but yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, uh, but like you said, uh, with their job, I guess. So I liked kind of the swerve that intro sequence, where he's, you know, he like hacks into this bank or whatever, and they they like they they break in by setting off smoke bomb in the PO box and stuff, mm-hmm. safety deposit box, and then. You know, it looks like they're kind of staging this crime and they're going to steal the money and all this stuff. And then he takes all his money out of the account and this, like, the cop steps out as if he's going to get caught or something. He goes right upstairs and he says, all right, here's all the flaws with your system. Yeah. Like, your guards are slow and you sloppy. You need people on the fire escapes. You need yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. And so it was really kind of a swerve where you think he's a criminal, but he's actually hired by the company, the bank, to find these flaws it's kind of like uh modern day is like every website like say facebook they'll hire people to find the back doors to hack into facebook's system and then they'll point out these back doors and then they'll fix them so that they're more difficult to hack into Uh, but that's kind of what these people do they're like a security type job um actually i had a friend in high school who would go to different gas stations and try to buy tobacco products. And the ones that sold it to him, because he was a minor, he was under 18, not allowed to buy tobacco. And so the ones that would let him buy it, he would like report that. And then they would, (laughs) they would like correct the gas station, like employees and workers to be like, Hey, you guys need to be stricter with this stuff. Um, That's pretty cool. So, you know, there's all kinds of, different applications of that uh type of job yeah and it's like it's like you said it's a real thing i mean virtually haha virtually every company hires people like this to i mm-hmm. mean cybersecurity now more than ever and is kind of getting going in you know the 90s 70s 80s 90s uh it's a big it's a big career zone you know in the world is making sure everything is cyber safe and and between governments especially like government information that's explored all over in film and we can talk a little bit more about that kind of extending that bubble out maybe to other films that deal with technology how it involves people how it involves information and kind of how that's changed since the 90s um Mm -hmm. and that was kind of the main theme i found in this movie was there was a scene between uh marty and his old friend cosmo and Cosmo's kind of explaining that, you know, we could have all the power. The whole world isn't based on oil. It isn't based on, you know, it's it's the ones and zeros. It's who owns the information, who controls it. And that's super applicable, like I said, now more than ever. So Yeah, especially in a society where, like, cash value, like money, like, it doesn't really hold any real value anymore. Uh, that's true. Even in the 90s, it was similar. But, like, all of our money is backed up by trust like that's what it is is we trust that this five dollar bill is worth five dollars and so therefore our society is able to function in our economy uh and so this like the early 90s they were just getting into that kind of a world and it was all new to them and like this is kind of a good representation yeah, digital of, banks and all that kind of stuff yeah, this is kind of a good representation of how that world you know could be used as a as an advantage to the bad people you know how it could be used as right for criminal uh, purposes and so it's it's really interesting to see how different ages and decades and generations they deal with technology 
um, and kind of the fears associated with technology and the questions existentially. Like, modern day, uh, we don't really make movies so much about intergovernmental, um, inter, like, you know, cyber terrorism, cyber crimes. We're not worried so much about, like, um, this hacker in yeah. this basement stealing the, some money from a bank by wiring it into his account or something. Yeah, predating this would be War Games, which is, like, about nuclear missile control over technology and, like, and this one even talks about, like, between the Russians and the Cold War, yeah. like, that whole idea, so... Yeah, and this came right off the heels of the Cold War, which I kind of actually... True. I enjoyed the little line of dialogue that Robert Redford says when he's meeting with those fake NSA guys, is he's like, you're not going to say Russia, are you? And he's like, yeah. yeah, well, we did win, but we're still spying on them, they're still spying on us, so, like, the Cold War ended, but in the 90s, I think a lot of people were still afraid of that, so this kind of taps into that public consciousness, I guess. That's true. Um, but yeah, like nowadays we make more movies about like AI and its role in humanity, even as early as like 2002 or 2001 when, uh, Steven Spielberg made AI, that movie that Kubrick was working on for a long time. And then he finished up and that had a lot of interesting questions about humanity and, you know, the nature of humanity, the nature of love, uh, and so how it deals with, like, artificial intelligence and how we can yeah. create people that aren't people. It's kind of this weird God effect. Um, and, and modern movies, too, like, one of my favorites is Ex Machina. What, that, oh, that's, yeah. That's about, about that one. It's about AI as well. Um, and honestly, a little bit of, like, a horror movie in a way. You know, it's it's the the picture that it paints of AI is pretty bleak like so that movie is a little bit darker in tone um, even though you know you go back to the 90s and they were worried about perhaps more like trivial things I guess if you compare the two but I can see how these things are um, pretty pretty important at the time stuff yeah and moving forward from the 90s uh, another movie directed by Spielberg was Minority Report, which kind of talks more about government's control and hand in everyday life, kind of that AI idea. Um, that's an interesting movie as well. Another, I guess, recommend to go along with this. And <laughs> yeah. then Fast and Furious 7, uh, I guess it's called Furious 7, kind of talks about the God's Eye. It's like a technology that these terrorists are using that people are going back and forth on that hacks into like everyone's phones and security cameras and just controls everything in order to pinpoint pretty much anyone on the globe, which is pretty scary. And then one other one, one of my favorite uh, technology movies is Transcendence, starring Johnny Depp. That one's a big AI movie. It was made probably like 2014, 2015, around there, and talks about, uh, you know, man transcending into technology and putting his brain into computers. Yeah. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting, different representations of how technology is involved in the world and in individuals' lives, whether it be AI or, like, sneakers between governments and uh, that kind of thing. And it kind of changes depending on the decade, like you kind of mentioned earlier. Yeah, and uh, it's... Um, there's a lot about, you know, surveillance and kind of like like you said, government power and stuff. Um, and then kind of on the note of AI too, one one movie that I really like uh, by Spike Jones is Her. Oh yeah. Um, it's like totally opposite from every other like AI movie, especially like something like Ex Machina, where it's basically a romance movie, like a love story uh, between this guy played by Joaquin Phoenix, which you know, brother of River Phoenix in this movie. Hey, yeah, there you go. Uh, Joaquin, um, he he falls in love with this, basically like Siri or Alexa or something, um, but uh, it's it's very sweet. It's very optimistic. It's very um, hmm. just positive emotions. Yeah, it's a very different look on technology than any of the other movies. Yeah, most of the sci-fi that we get, um, which like. A lot of sci-fi 
about kind of technology based, like computer based, tends to be like not so distant futures, you know, where like this is within our grasp practically. And her definitely feels like, you know, like I bet there's some dude in the world who's falling in love with Alexa right now, you know, Probably. like it could happen. Uh, and hit that the world in that movie is a little bit more advanced and different than our world here. But um, I just really like how Spike Jones kind of flipped that narrative hmm. on its head and, uh, you know, used the conventions of the typical AI movie to uh, he kind of played with them a little bit. Nice. Yeah, I want to check that one out. So, yeah, there's a bunch of good recommendations. I mean, good pairings with this movie or supplements, yeah. maybe. If you don't want to watch this one, then check out one of these other ones. Uh, yeah. They're I mean, a little bit maybe better movies, but... <laughs> I mean, Furious 7, obviously, is perfect movie. Best movie. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. Anyways, um, I just had a few other little spare things here and there, some trivia and other things I wanted to mention, and then we can talk about our... Uh, What's entertaining us? Second, yeah. um, and just while we're on the note of these other films, if there's, I'm sure we missed like a lot. I think there's other ones that I was thinking of, but if you have any suggestions out there, listeners, you can drop them in our email, which we will provide at the end or after we're finished here. But mm-hmm. um, I wanted to mention Ben Kingsley's appearance. I kind of kind of gloss over him in the actors and characters segment. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of screen time, and he's more more of a minor character. But this is probably, like, one of the first movies I was exposed to Ben Kingsley. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty good. I mean, I liked his character. I liked his and uh, Marty's relationship. And I liked how they played off each other. They would say, like, uh, result. And then one would say something like, conclusion. And then the other would say something like... Yeah. They were super analytical and they worked well as a team. But their, uh, their kind of uh, intentions and their, you know, what they wanted to do didn't really line up perfectly. Right. Yeah, it definitely, it it brings that dichotomy out of, okay, this technology has great power, um, what are the ways we can use it? And Robert Redford, definitely more of that optimistic um, person who wants to do good, he's mm-hmm. the hero, he's the protagonist, and then Ben Kingsley, he's definitely got his reasons, you know, any good villain is going to have uh, good reasons that they're justified in their own mind for doing what they do, even though, you know, his intentions were kind of corrupt Mm -hmm. even though the movie ended up the exact way that he wanted to use the technology yeah that ending was a little bit it doesn't even make sense like robert redford is fighting this whole time to you know make sure that ben kingsley what's his name cosmo doesn't take money from the rich and give it to all the poor and then the very end of the movie there's a newscast like oh, the United States government fund is all empty and now all these charitable organizations have a ton of mm-hmm. donations. It's like, why? What, what was yeah, the point? That was, I think there should be a, uh, a Bro Have You Seen cut where we just cut that <laughs> last little TV segment off. It changes everything. Because I think that last scene where uh, Liz, I mean, another person that we didn't really bring up, but she's just kind of there, like you said, she mentions to Marty, she's like, well, you just told them it's broken. That doesn't mean that they can't still use it and he's and then he shows that he took out one of like the key components of it or whatnot mm-hmm. and i think if you end it there that's like optimistic you know and it, his character is more rounded out because then it is like that black and white between him and cosmo cosmo would have used it and did for a while to have lots of gain and uh marty didn't want to fall into the hands of anyone else yeah but then that last tv shot like just doesn't make sense kind of kind of lame but i i do think I think I agree with you uh, in the relationship. I think the way that it's written on the page really works. Um, Their dynamic and dialogue and stuff. Um, I don't know how much chemistry the two actors have together. Yeah. I didn't see a lot. But honestly, I was too focused about Ben Kingsley. Just like, I I thought he was pretty bad in this. Like, his accent was all over the place. I didn't (laughs) know what kind of accent he was trying to do. I I think he's British. Yeah, um, yeah, I saw an interview with him on this, and he definitely is British. Yeah, and so the character, like, is kind of British in times, and then kind of, like, there's, like, this weird, like, New York, yeah, uh, like, New England and, like, accent The character out. at the beginning, his, like, younger self didn't really line up. I mean, he'd been through prison, which it kind of alludes to, like, maybe prison changed him for the worse, because he yeah. got involved with the mo- mafia, and they made him do stuff for him. Right. And so, and That's... I think that was actually based on a real guy. Who he was like a phone hacker 
that once he was in prison they made like the guys in prison made him give out information on how like get free calls and so that's kind of yeah you know so that all being said like cosmo maybe didn't have bad intentions to begin with and then going through the prison system might have changed him for the worse so yeah because i mean it in the 70s that first shot the first scene they are definitely you know in lockstep with each other about um the ways that they're going to use their skills to power to the people yeah that that uh classic you know they give money to the black panthers and i think it came from i don't remember what organization it came from but then they took richard nixon's money and they gave it to the i can't remember what it was oh it was something kind of ironic, I guess. Yeah. But with Richard Nixon. Anyway. I can't remember. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. Um, and so, like, they both started out on the same page, and then just life experience brought them in opposite directions, and it yeah. is kind of tragic in that way. Um, yep. Yeah. I don't have a whole ton to say. I have a couple little things, but they don't necessarily fit in yet, so I'll see if I can... Okay. Um, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for the main bulk of the movie. Maybe I just go move on a little bit of trivia, unless your stuff fits in more here than trivia. Um, A couple little things. I mean, they're sort of trivia-ish. Go ahead. Ish. Um, But in in the realm of, like, favorite characters, (laughs) I wanted to bring this up because... we recently watched Memento, and yeah. so Stephen Tobolowski, he's the guy who plays Werner something. Oh yeah, uh, Brand Brandon Branson something. Yeah, like Werner, Werner Branson. Branson. Anyway, so he's the guy who goes on the date with or Brandis Liz. something like that. Brandis, yeah. Werner Brandis. Yeah, he goes on the date with Liz. Um, he's probably my favorite character just because I like seeing Stephen Tobolowski show up. He's such a interesting so weird. character actor guy i always he, thought my voice was nasally and pinched <laughs> <laughs> he's uh he's like wallace shawn's taller uh slightly more normal voiced huh. cousin or something <laughs> yeah i could see that i could see that they both okay. have like that balding okay yeah, look and yeah okay. they look pretty similar anyway yeah he's great but he plays sammy jenkis in memento you know the guy who the main character is always thinking about like he had the diabetic mm. wife and there's some flashback scenes with Sammy Jenkins giving the shots to his diabetic wife. Oh, Memento. Oh yeah. That guy. Okay. For a second I was thinking seven cause we were saying the quote, what's in the box. The whole time. Oh yeah, I know. But yeah, so he's, um, <laughs> okay. I do remember Sammy Jenkins. I, I knew I recognized him when I watched that. Cause I, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. He's cool. in some other stuff too that I, I think he's pretty funny in, but anyway, he's good. And, there was a little diehard moment with the shotgun. He was shooting it up into the ceiling and like moving. Yeah, I haven't closer seen that, but I remember you mentioning that. I recently watched it, but uh, I was like, okay, right now he's gonna get his attention's gonna get called away right before he shoots the yeah, dead, and then the kill Cosmo shot. comes on the intercom. Classic. Yeah, it's the same like beat for beat from Die Hard. That's funny. There was also a Harold and Maude. Speaking of that oh, movie, really? by Hal Ashby, a uh, moment where. <laughs> It's when he first goes to see Liz, and she's sitting at the oh, piano, yeah, and yeah. it's like going super hardcore, this awesome piece on the piano, and then like he kind of like pans around the piano, and it's this little girl playing it. And well, before that, Liz uh, wasn't even playing. Before that, Marty walks in, and then Liz looks up, and then he's like, he has like a confused look on his face. He's like, how is he, she looking at me and still playing? Yeah. And then it pans around, and you see it's the girl. I, I love that scene. Yeah, it's really cool. Reminds me of Harold and Maude, where yeah. she's playing the piano, and then she stands up and starts dancing, but the piano keeps on yeah. going. <laughs> uh, That's good. Um... Uh, there was the classic bug in the ear gag mm. where like he doesn't know what to say and some voice in his ear is telling him what to say and he's stumbling over his words and it's super awkward and then they mess with him by having him say something that he's not supposed to say yeah. and he starts saying <laughs> that happens so many times in movies yeah that's one of my other favorite scenes i love that one definitely went over my head as a kid yeah <laughs> there were a lot of speaking of going over your head as a kid there were a lot of kind of like uh, jokes. I talked about Scooby Doo. How there's some adult humor in there, and this one, there's some funny little jokes. I mean, there's jokes like about the government and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, 
he's like, I want peace and goodwill toward men. And he's like, we're the U.S. government. We don't deal with yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> Classic. Uh, but then there was one line that I really liked where, so, like, they all have to stay overnight at this, like... Yeah, at their like, little it's clubhouse. Like a, it's like a bachelor's, like, yeah, it's suite awesome. kind of thing. But uh, they make Liz stay over because, A, they don't trust her, and, B, they're kind of trying to protect her from people who might want to kill her. And in the morning, she's leaving, and she's like... She says, I really enjoyed sleeping with all you guys. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty uh, good. Classic. Yeah, I definitely didn't get any of those jokes when I was a kid, so mm-hmm. it's good to see it again. Um, and then as far as, like, cinematography, direction, camera movement, like, there wasn't anything too particularly good, but there was one shot that I liked. Uh, it's a shot from underneath the glass table as he's do- doing the Scrabble Ooh, yeah. pieces. It was a nice little, you know, shot. There were also some moments where um, the fake NSA guys were running through the, you know, the rap sheets of the guys working for Marty, and the camera would kind of rack focus to the background where the character they were talking about was sitting. And yeah. And I liked that. Yeah. Um, there was one shot that was, it's pretty simple, but I liked it. It was when uh, Carl had jumped through the ceiling and then he was standing in the background and I think Liz like comes into frame right in front in the foreground mm. for some reason I liked that uh, for whatever reason it was like a nice little touch a little simple trick but it was like good to have some depth of field in there yeah um, and then I just I was looking up some stuff about River Phoenix because I mentioned how I'd never really seen in him in anything else mm-hmm. except for Indiana Jones 3 and um mm. This was actually the 22nd out of 25 movies that he... Oh, I always thought it was, was like in. the second to last one, but... I knew it was one Pretty of his close. last ones. Yeah, so one of them came out in 2012. I feel like wow. there's, there was probably some old footage, or like the movie never got yeah, finished. Yeah, credit as They finally put it out. Um, but he was like one of the main actors. I think oh, he's wow. on the front poster of the movie. Um so I don't know how that what the story is about that, but this was one of his last. I mean, he died. Yeah, I always I think, knew the, that. the year after this or two years after this. That's crazy. So, a pretty tragic uh, story about him. I don't mm-hmm. know a whole lot about him. I haven't. Again, I haven't seen much yeah. of his stuff, but he is really good in this. You can tell that they didn't really know how to use him. I feel like he was more in the background than anything. I mean, this yeah, was like a good like. This was like a year after My Own Private Idaho, and he was like the star of that. So. Yeah, he was of, just like this high school kind of, uh, they found him hacking into high school, changing his grades. He's always after the girls. He's just kind of goofy, yeah. kind of in training. But he's, uh, the one of the special features mentioned how he was the one that was growing up with all this stuff in place, like all this technology already existed, where all the other characters, right. they kind of had to, it, the transition period in their life into like more technology where That's true. he was growing up and he was in there and so he was really getting like I mean in high school he was already hacking into computers and stuff so yeah that was all those cool. all those literal boomers yeah <laughs> uh, had to learn about computers yeah. and he was you know probably a Gen Xer just trying to you know just live in normal life like mm-hmm. computers are kind of part of his thing but yeah I mean it's pretty crazy to see him in this and just think about like what kind of career he could have had um because there's a lot of talent there there's a lot of potential there especially looking at his brother Joaquin who he just won the Oscar yeah, last year you know like he's he's having an amazing run and you know if only there were two of them you know but uh it's good that we got Joaquin and we got some movies from River back in the day so yeah. good to revisit those yeah well on that fantastic note <laughs> yeah i think we can wrap it up i think i would give yeah. this movie probably two and a half stars it's right in the middle right even shoot yeah i mean like i i I liked it i didn't think it was terrible but again it's pretty cheesy pretty predictable uh you know a lot of the lines i was kind of like rolling my eyes at a little bit um a lot of the attempted humor didn't really land but some of it did and again it was a nice like simple Mm -hmm. tale of uh these hackers these sneakers if you will yeah, man. Um, if I'm giving it my non-analytical nostalgia grade, probably be like five stars. Wow. But as like a legit rating, 
Uh, probably three, three and a half. That's probably where I'd land on it. I mean, that still is including some leeway of oh, yeah. how I much mean, I've loved it. You but. have to factor in your nostalgia. I don't even know what I rated Scooby-Doo, but it was pretty <laughs> high, so. Yeah. Um, shoot, there's one other thing I wanted to mention when we were just three. wrapping up. I rated Scooby-Doo three and a half stars. Oh, nice. So, so that's right around where I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. yeah, like I said, it's not a perfect movie, but, you know, it's one of those good ones to throw on, and I'm glad that I was able to recommend it to you, and we were able to talk about it a little bit. Definitely. Uh, and hopefully recommend it to somebody else out there in the world. Yep. Cool. So I think that's it. I mean, I had something floating around in my head, but I lost it, so it must not be incredibly important. That's true. <laughs> I heard that's true. Okay, yeah, we'll move on ahead yeah. to what's entertaining you this week. Okay, we're back here after our little break, talking about what's been entertaining us. We're still in quarantine here, but in the uh, state that we're living in, it's hopefully wrapping up soon. We're kind of maybe heading out, starting to open things back up, but Mm -hmm. uh, this week actually has been quite a big week for me. I've watched a lot of stuff. Uh, We're doing our 7 from the 70s at the end of the month as our bonus list episode, and my 60s list, I didn't... I wanted to watch a lot of stuff, but I didn't prep as much. And for some reason, I've been flying through my prep list for the 70s. I don't know what's got into me, but literally, besides one movie, the past, like, seven or eight have all been from the 70s. Wow. So I'm I'm plowing. So uh, I'll get to those in a second, but what's been entertaining you, bro? Yeah, so uh, I'm actually going to bring up... Oof. Yeah, I'm going to bring up one. I did see two from the 70s uh, in the last couple days. And one of them we will get to probably next week when we talk about the... Um, not next week. Yeah, next week when we talk about the yeah. Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Uh, and the one that I will recommend today is Werner Herzog's Aguirre, The Wrath of God. Awesome. Also watched this, so... Yeah, we watched it together, even though, you know, <laughs> I missed... A third to a half of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because I fell asleep because, you know, I work in construction, so my days are pretty labor-intensive sometimes. Uh, today I was mostly just manning a, a, a backhoe kind of thing, but uh, so it wasn't so crazy. But um, this day I probably was shoveling for, like, hours, and I was super tired, so fell asleep yeah. during a gear <laughs> Long story short, uh, I went to rewatch it because I felt like I needed to finish it just to say, okay, like I've seen it in, in its entirety. And I will say, like, that first half of the movie, I rewatched, you know, because I did see the first half. So on the rewatch, the first half was much better, I think, once you know kind of where it's going and what kind of experience it's going to be. Um, it really kind of opens up a lot of interesting thought processes Mm. and um, you start to see the humor a little bit more. Uh, It's obvious that Herzog is making fun of these um, Spanish conquistadors. Uh, There's a lot of interesting elements to it uh, with kind of that descent into madness. I I said in my review that this is a good double feature with um, Apocalypse Now. And I've been itching to watch that lately because... It's been a long time, and just watching Aguirre, I was kind of in the mood. Uh, so I might check that out pretty soon. But yeah, this was really good. Um, like I mentioned it or alluded to, it's about Spanish conquistadors. They're traveling down in the Amazon, I believe, coming out the mountains of Peru. and they Looking want... for El Dorado. Yeah, they're looking for El Dorado, which is kind of funny. At the beginning of the movie, they mention how uh, the Indian tribes, like, literally invented that myth (laughs) so that they could uh trick the you know explorers or colonialists to stay out um there's a little bit of a crawl at the beginning um and Mm. that was kind of an interesting twist on it because it's so obvious that these people are super underprepared they have to keep scrambling um to just you know break even basically like they they can never get even footing um literally they can't get even footing when they're riding rafts down this turbulent river uh while getting shot at with arrows (laughs) 
and they don't know where the arrows are coming from so they're just firing in all directions just totally aimlessly and it's it's pretty funny if you think about it but it's also you know a disturbing and interesting look at um the human mind and the colonialism that happened in the 16th century and all that but uh also the story about the making of this movie is super crazy apparently so Uh, it's one of those that you know sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction and uh this one you know the making of the movie might even be more interesting than the movie (laughs) uh but uh it was good i liked it so nice that's my one for today yeah that would be prime on my list of rewatches because i i've never seen a herzog movie really uh there's one doc i watched a while ago but it i don't know if i finished it or not anywho uh, I did not know what to expect going in. I didn't know if it was supposed to be funny, serious, and then I think immediately we were kind of both like, yeah, I think this is supposed to be a little bit more serious, like, on our first watch. Uh, it was pretty intense, and the filmmaking uh, was right up with the action and what was going on, so it felt like felt like a documentary. It felt like it was kind of... Yeah. But I didn't really know what it was trying to say. Uh, going in, I, I'd never seen Herzog, and, right. uh, you know, by the end I picked up some things, but... Uh, I liked your insight of the rewatch because it helped you like see some of that humor, what it was really trying to do, and yeah. so that's important. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and it's a little more tragic too because you know the ending, and so right. it's not so much anticipation as it is just kind of dread or that yeah. inevitable pacifism or not pacifism, pass passivity towards the events. Like okay these people are like kind of doomed you know i guess uh and it's it's really bleak so be prepared if you want to watch it yeah okay what's your pick trying to decide which one here uh trying to think like which one's going to be the least likely to make it on my (laughs) 70s list right uh because i've watched a lot um you know what i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with picnic at hanging rock from 1975 by Peter Weir. And I actually watched Peter Weir's first film, which is The Cars That Ate Paris. It's actually called The Cars That Ate People in America. And it's kind of funny how that got renamed. Anyways, that's a strange film. And Picnic at Hanging Rock, also a strange film. And Peter Weir went on to do The Truman Show, Dead Poet Society, uh, among other things. I love Truman Show. Yeah, that's so good. That's, that's an underrated gem. I feel like it's not talked about enough. It's not underrated, but... It's like it pretty highly praised. Up. It's pretty highly praised, I think. I need to I need to revisit that one. But Picnic at Hanging Rock, uh, for the uninitiated, is really strange. People uh, say that maybe Lynch, David Lynch, has some inspiration from this. It's got mm. some pretty dreamlike, kind of trippy imagery at times. Not nearly as trippy as Lynch, but it's it's playing with those, some of those visuals and the eerie tones and flutes that he uses to kind of build this anticipation of some of the things that are going on. And um, some say that Sofia Coppola had some influence from this for Virgin Suicides. Nice, yeah. Because it's kind of about these uh, young girls the turn of the century in the year 1900 and their disappearance. And I guess it's thematically, I think metaphorically it went over my head, but I enjoyed it as a interesting story and i'm excited to revisit it with some new insights i've gained and i don't want to give away too much because i think maybe going in blind might be a good idea but yeah i'd recommend that one it's really weird and strange so i'd recommend checking it out i think it's a good one nice yeah i've definitely heard about it um i'm gonna see it some point so someday it's not on my short list for the 70s But it's on my long list, which is all the 70s movies. Which is every movie ever made. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, bro. That was a little rough, but we made it through the sneakers. Yep. Sneakers episode. And I never really explained what sneakers were, because I learned that they're not people who sneak. But (laughs) it's, like, based off of young kid programmers at IBM. The, like, older guys were called the brown shoes or something, so they Mm. called the young kids the sneakers. And so then I they see. were like the young like hacker kids. Kind of juxtaposition. Little counterculture type things. So shows the, you know, 
like brown shoes are more associated with yeah. maturity and age and then the sneakers are kind of the kid the kids shoes that they're uh, yeah. less experienced they're a little bit less to be taken seriously i guess yeah but. so that was probably like a reference people got at the time but i never knew why they called it that like when my parents showed when our parents showed us this i was like why am i like is this move about shoes <laughs> no it's not it's about computer hackers but <laughs> yeah anyways um, i mean maybe a good example of like not the best title doesn't really yeah doesn't for really sure tell you what the movie doesn't about age well i guess maybe i don't know if people That's understood true. it at the time yeah probably not it seems like a kind of niche it's kind of an obscure thing yeah. especially for a movie that's not technically directed towards people yeah who are super into computers but anyways getting back right. into sneakers we're headed out <laughs> that was a good one good to wrap it up and yep. uh we'll catch y'all next week yeah uh, actually yeah so that is the end of the show uh what are we discussing next week bro Next week's episode is Umbrellas of Cherbourg, and that's one that you're recommending me from the Criterion Collection. If you want to go back in time and listen to our other episodes, though, our earlier ones, those can all be found at brohaveyouseen.captivate.fm. All of our episodes can be downloaded on iTunes and Spotify, and please take a second to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. You have no idea how much it helps us to grow the show, reach new listeners, uh, and maybe help spread the word about some good obscure movies out there to other people. If you have any feedback about the show, this episode, or other episodes, please let us know in your iTunes review, or you can email us, brohaveyouseenpodcast at gmail.com. Definitely. And each new episode is usually posted at 6 a.m. on Fridays. That's Mountain Standard Time. If you want to see what else is entertaining us, uh, specifically me, check out my letterbox at Barn Clark. And mine is at Everett Clark 236. See you next week, bro. Yep, see ya.